Chapter 14, Terrence Washington Jack and Luke sat staring at Quan and Eamon over coffee in their hotel room. It was a mini-suite with just enough space for them to eyeball each other from uncomfortable opposing sofas in a quasi-living room. Eamon was wearing his signature stank face, and Quan was rubbing his bushy red hair, shaking his head like he was either confused or had a dandruff problem. Jack recounted the high points of their meeting with Rhodes and the president. Say what? Eamon started. Shit, I ain't no fucking slave. They're talking about some sign your name in blood work for life? That's bullshit. That is fucked up, Eamon said. I don't know. I think Eamon has a point, Quan said, still shaking his head. Jack continued. I'm fairly certain we don't have a lot of options. Gene Gomes... Eamon instantly interrupted him. You talking about the greasy lab coat wearing bitch at the weed factory? Jack looked at Luke, trying not to smile. Uh, yeah, him. He shook off the interruption and turned serious again. As I was saying, Gene Gomes, well, he's dead. Beth Colby, ex-love of my life and girlfriend from hell, killed him and the other agents who were using him as bait. Quan let out a small wail and Eamon looked down at the floor. Jack continued, I'm telling you this because it's likely this isn't over for any of us. It seems reasonable to assume the organization we stumbled on has a pretty long memory and has a way of setting things right. We either work for the president in Rhodes or we're on our own, Jack finished. This is shit. Crap, Quan stuttered embarrassed for almost using profanity. For once, I agree with him, Eamon said, pointing at Quan. What do we do? Luke spoke up for the first time. I think we have to do this thing. None of us is really safe while the organization's intact. Hell, they were working on Jack for almost a year before the Greenleaf thing, and I don't think they're willing to just forget it. He paused. On the plus side of the occasion, you'll get to meet the president, he said, raising his eyebrows, trying to lighten the mood. Quan genuinely looked happy while Eamon recalibrated slightly, feature softening. Shit. He ain't nothing but one grain of pepper and a salt shaker, Eamon muttered, referring to the fact that the president was black as well. Fine. I'll meet the brother, Eamon said, acting as if he would accommodate the mild inconvenience. Within an hour, they split up as Nathan Rhodes had directed and were picked up by separate unmarked cars and taken to the Department of Agriculture office where they had met him the day before. Quan and Eamon were visibly nervous pulling into the hidden garage and seeing the armed quasi-military welcoming committee there to greet them. Eamon muttered something to the effect of more white dudes with guns. They rode up the elevator in silence and were ushered into the conference room. Glad you all could make it. Nathan Rhodes's voice made the wall shake as he entered the room. Yeah, we're just pleased as punch to be here too, Luke replied, stone-faced. A skinny young man with horn-rimmed glasses entered the room quickly and placed four folders on the table and left before anyone could comment. Rhodes looked quickly at the names on the folders and pushed each one of them in front of the appropriate person. Here you go. You'll need to sign these things before we can get going. And before you say anything, I know you've got the equivalent of law degrees up there, 
he said, pointing to his own head. However, for the sake of brevity, please understand that none of this is up for negotiation. It's simple. We keep you and your family safe in return for you doing whatever it is that needs doing in order to bring the organization down. When we're done, you're free to take my number out of your contacts list. It also has a few clauses stating that opening up your mouth about this is tantamount to treason and could be punishable by death or lifetime incarceration in a black site that no one knows about, or something to that effect. Rhodes sat down, locked his fingers together, and stared at them impassively. When do we get to beat the president, Quan asked, like a third grader on a field trip. Rhodes stared at Quan like he was witnessing the invention of dumbass. Jack ignored Quan and moved on. So what does this really mean? I'm not ready to close up our business and hide out forever. Rhodes shook his head and then looked up at the ceiling as if he was tasked with explaining the concept of gravity to a three-year-old. Your business? You won't have a business if you're dead. I don't know if you remember, but the little soiree at the pot farm was supposed to end up with you pushing up daisies anyway. Your old life is over. Maybe you just don't get it yet. Jack sat silently, mulling over what Rhodes said. He knew deep down it was all true. His old life was over. He knew, however, he hadn't openly admitted it to himself or Luke. Luke, on the other hand, sat impassively, chewing on Rhodes' commentary as well. For once, he was quiet. However, his mind was turning scenarios over like a thief trying to pick a lock. He wasn't worried about himself. He could adapt. He had plenty of money, and the thought of an extended vacation of sorts was fine for him. It was Jack he was concerned about. He was really the franchise player for the business, and work was a big part of his routine in his life. His social anxiety had been held at bay with work, weed, and a girlfriend, as well as a sense of purpose. Now the girlfriend was gone, and all that was left was work and weed. Luke seriously doubted that Jack could deal with that much short-term change. Rhodes broke the silence. If we sequester you completely, then it'll look too suspicious. You'll need to look like you're getting back to business as usual in relatively short order. However, we'll need to inject some unpredictability into your schedule. He stopped and scratched his head, then resumed. Hell, I guess we can get you a few gigs to work on courtesy of the real Department of Agriculture or some other agency. You'll be visible, but won't openly telegraph your movements. We'll be shadowing you as well. The organization still wants what Jack knows. Nothing's changed in that regard. We just need to draw him out. Rhodes paused, then continued as if he was reaching for the high point in his concerto oblivious to the dumbfounded looks on his audience's faces. It's unlikely, but not out of the realm of possibility, they'll try to kill Jack or Luke before they get what they want, Rhodes said, looking directly at Ammon and Quan. However, they may not be adverse to either killing or threatening to kill one of you two or your families. You'd be leveraged for them, and they'd use it right away if they thought it would help, Rhodes said. Eamon shook his head and Quan began to rock in his seat. For that reason, we'd like your two employees here to work with us as we continue to sift through data. 
They could provide some needed support, Rhodes said, referring to Quan and Eamon. They'll be out of harm's way, and hopefully they can help wrap this whole thing up quickly. Jack shrugged his shoulders. It's up to them. I can't make that decision for them, Jack replied, glancing toward his employees. Eamon and Quan didn't speak, both lost in thought. How much does your ex-girlfriend know about them, Rhodes asked. Does she know anything about their parents or family? Jack and Luke looked at Eamon and Quan, then back at Rhodes. I don't know, Jack said. I mean, I was dating her for close to a year, and as I think back, she's always showed a lot of interest in my business, I, how I thought about things, stock tips, you name it. She met them, and I talked about them in passing, but I know I tried to keep a firewall of sorts in place. I'm pretty sure I didn't talk about Eamon or Quan's personal lives. Eamon interrupted with a groan. You didn't have to, I told her. All heads turned toward Eamon, who shook his head in disbelief. It was the first time I met her at your New Year's Eve party, and you have to remember she was hot and wasn't bitchy back then. I just thought she was being nice or found me interesting, but she definitely grilled me about my life and my family. I had a few drinks, and hell, I remember I wouldn't shut up. Eamon rubbed his eyes. I think it's safe to say she's got more than enough. Everyone turned and looked at Quan, who had stopped rocking in his seat and was chewing on the bottom of his lip. Yeah, me too. She, she knows it all, he said. Luke pushed out an extended sigh. Well, shit. I guess no one was immune to the dragon lady's charms. I guess this makes the decision easier. Rhodes sat back and nodded as he looked around the room. I guess that's that. Welcome to the Department of Agriculture, he said, looking directly at Quan and Eamon. Without any pretense their situation might take a turn for the better, they reluctantly signed the paperwork, wondering what the hell they had gotten themselves into. As soon as they finished, the thin, horn-rimmed guy slid quietly into the room and collected the files. Rhodes slid his hand under the table looked directly at one of the cameras in the upper corner of the room and said, Open. Within a few seconds, a hidden door covered up by the wallpaper pattern opened up behind him, revealing a small alcove and another set of doors. Rhodes walked in and they followed him. He placed his palm on the biometric pad near the doorframe and spoke his name. Again, the door opened. However, this time it revealed a large open area occupying the remainder of the entire 10th floor of the office building, comprising at least 15,000 square feet by Jack's estimate. The employee count was light. They only saw five other people in the cavernous space. However, what they lacked in manpower, they more than made up for in gadgetry, maps, and computing power. Quan and Eamon looked at the small but powerful mini data center cage in the middle of the room, and were instantly impressed. Rhodes assembled his small team in the middle of the open space and introduced all of them. He left Eamon and Quan with his team to get acquainted and give them an overview of their operation, while he ushered Jack and Luke into a small office with floor-to-ceiling glass and a door. Before they could sit, Jack spoke up. Colonel, this is cool, but this is all you've got to go up against the organization? What about the NSA and the FBI? 
You're supposed to be a certifiable genius. Why don't you tell me, Rhodes said. They were silent for a few seconds. Shit, don't tell me you can't trust them either, Jack said. Rhodes just raised his eyebrows. Let me tell you a story. This will probably help you put all this into perspective.